0: Everybody wanted to be Claudia Kishy when they were young. It's the late 80s, and little girls were lining up at bookstores and scholastic fairs around the world to grab a copy of Anne M. Martin's The Babysitter's Club. In this episode of Forks and Fangs,
1: we talk about the short film documentary, The Claudia Kishie Club, directed by Sue Ding.
0: So go find your favorite junk food, call all of your friends on your landline, and tell them to tune into our show as we discuss all things Claudia
1: Welcome back to Forks and Fangs. What's up? My name is Denny.
0: And I'm Veronica.
1: And we welcome you to another episode of Tiny Tiny Bites, Bites, where we discuss things that we like that are in pop culture and in media, and we give a little piece of our minds. And what are we talking about today?
0: Today, we are talking about the documentary that dropped a few weeks ago called um, The Claudia Kishi Club. Yes, it's our girl. That's based off of uh, our favorite childhood books, The Babysitter's Club. One,
1: one of our favorite. <laughs>
0: yes, many of mine. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that, let's get into it. Now, for Tiny Bites, we normally start this episode off talking about what we've Created what we made for—it's uh, always related to food. Get on with the program for
1: this for this <laughs> episode.
0: And tiny bites is usually like some kind of dessert. It's kind of a, a snack.
1: So a little, a little, a little food.
0: We didn't, we didn't make anything, but we're gonna talk about what our favorite snacks were when we were kids up yeah, until now.
1: Because Claudia Kishi loves snacks. Yeah, she is all about the junk food. She hides them and she shares them with her babysitter friends.
0: So what's your uh, what's your go-to snack as a kid? What was your go-to huh. snack?
1: So we were not allowed to have junk food when we were young, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. The only time that I can get junk food is when I'm gonna when my mom would give me a shot. So every time I see junk food, I know I'm getting a shot. <laughs> my mom is a pediatrician, by the way, um, so she gave us our shots. So yeah, it was horrible, but my favorite snack out of the limited snacks that I was getting was not from my mom it was from my grandma because she would hide the snacks in the in her room above her bed she had a little like little drawers and cabinets up there mm-hmm. and she would pull this magical <laughs> magical little bag of cheese chips it's called clover chips it has been my favorite since i was Young up until I was in college, they still make those chips. Yes, girl, it still exists. And every time I would go to the Asian store here, or even from the Philippines, my friends would send it. Everybody knows that I love Clover chips. They're cheese snacks. They stain your finger, and it's they're like delicious. No, but I also love Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where my love for Cheetos, because Cheetos are expensive in the Philippines.
0: Mm.
1: And I don't know, why have Cheetos when you can have clover chips?
0: Uh, The clover chips taste better than the Cheetos? I don't know. (laughs) Is it the same kind of, is it like a cheesy, like a nacho-like cheese taste? I think so. They Mm -hmm. make different flavors. Like
1: they have barbecue, they have sour cream of the clover chips. Find in your own, you know, local Asian store, clover chips. If you're listening to me, I love you. Send clover chips is where it's at. Send me a box. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anything
0: other than clover chips for you? Chocolate. Oh yeah,
1: I love chocolate and uh, Oreos. I mean chocolate, chocolate Oreos. Yeah. I think I'm the only person that would can eat that like in a row. But I do, I do love dark chocolate. I love chocolate. You can see in my body <laughs> that I like <laughs> snacks and I love. <laughs> I love all the bad foods. <laughs> but yes. Oh man. It's the Clover Chips. Ever since I was young, up and in college, the
0: bag just got bigger and bigger because I got bigger and bigger. <laughs> so shout out to Clover Chips. Let's get that sponsorship through. I don't know. <laughs> International I think, sponsorship.
1: I think they're made by Leslie's brand. Yes. Oh. Huh. That's the brand. It's a, it's a local
0: brand in the Philippines. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, how about
0: you? Well, for me as a kid, I like, there was this bubblegum. Um, that I would get from like you know any convenience store, old convenience store back in the day because I am old. So uh, not old. the <laughs> the bubble gum would be like a penny. You just get a penny worth oh, of bubble gum, and pennies. it was this gum. I can't remember, but the the packaging was pink and blue, and uh, pink and blue and white. Bazookas bazooka joe was similar to it but mm-hmm. it was a it was a different brand like I, all i remember is that the word bubblegum was written on it and it was hard like the bubble gum was stale and they decided <laughs> okay we're gonna cut this stale bubble gum and sell it for the rest of how long we're in business and so i would eat that and you know like after 10 seconds it loses flavor, so you just take another piece and you add that to the piece, and then you'll have like this huge right. ball of gum in your mouth because you've added like four pieces of gum to one to get that flavor. More power to you! I oh, never realized. I mean, probably why I have TMJ now from <laughs> from trying to chew from, all that gum. To- <laughs> why I grind my teeth at night. <laughs> Um, but then as I got older, when I got into middle school, jawbreakers were like really big for some reason and public started making their own kind. So they had two kinds. They had one kind that was like your regular jawbreaker. And then they had another kind that was sour and they would sell them in like clear cellophane bags, Mm. like a bunch of them. And it wasn't expensive. And they would stain. They would stain your fingers. They would stain your tongue. Like, yes. and it would stay there forever. And it was. I think it didn't. Like, it wasn't like the everlasting. Oh, that's probably why they started making them because the everlasting gobstopper became a thing oh, from Willy color. Wonka. Oh, yes. and it would change colors. But the one from Publix, I don't think it changed colors. I think they just dyed them really heavy. And so. Um, that was my thing, and I really like the sour one. I love sour candy, so uh, those were delicious, and then they stopped making them. I don't know why, I wish they would bring those back. And then, uh, I really like like gummy bears, gummy worms, anything gummy. I like the hard ones, I think that's just throwback to the bubble gum thing. <laughs> I um, never liked the hard candies, I'm oh. like, why? Yeah, give me give me gummy bears, and it, it's kind of sucks because I'm a vegetarian and I shouldn't be eating gummy bears because oh. they got gelatin in them. Confession moment, <laughs> but it is it's not one that I, I eat all of the time, but there are moments where I have these huge craving, and I just I just need a whole bag of those and I'll be fine. So, gummy bears. And I love sour cream and onion, anything. Mm. Chips. Especially. Ruffles chips. I like the ones with the ridges in them. They are a nice little snap <laughs> when you bite into them. They break <laughs> nice and easy. Like a biscuit. <laughs> On the British Bake Off show. So, I love those. And, uh... I definitely like chocolate with with, like, salty stuff. So I'll mix it. Like, give me some Pretzels and some chocolate, and boom! I'm happy. That's a moment right there. So, mm-hmm. and then a sprite to top it all off. Oh, me, it's an uh, iced tea. Oh yes,
1: those chips with iced tea. Mm hmm. Yes. Oh,
0: when I was little, they used to, they still have those, uh, but there are these little drinks that come into in a container that kind of look like a little barrel. I don't know what they called. If you know what they're called, hit us up uh but they have like this little tin foil cover and you just pull it off and you drink out of it and they have different flavors and it's like red and green and orange all oh, those are the best drinks.
1: I don't know what you're talking
0: about. I I have to show you a picture, but they come in this little clear container and it looks like a little barrel, like a wood barrel.
1: Oh man, no. it's
0: delicious. Those were the best drinks. That and getting that that bubble gum Goodbye, Teeth. Yeah. My sister, she has an addiction to lemon heads and Coke. I can never do
1: anything that's too sour. I love sour candy. Yeah. I learned to love it as an adult because of, you know, period (laughs) (laughs) and pregnancy. Your moon time. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) why? Why would you eat sour stuff when you can eat all the salty and sweet stuff. Exactly. So yeah, that's just my personal preference. Everybody has their thing. But I'm not hating because I'll eat all of them.
0: Yeah. Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the documentary, The Claudia Kishi Club was an amazing documentary that was done to talk about Claudia Kishi, who was one of the characters, if not probably the main character, of the (laughs) Babysitter's Club. I mean, I can't argue with that. (laughs) So, uh, we're introduced by six uh, different people who are talking about their love for this character in the Babysitter's Club. And for those who don't know, the Babysitter's Club uh, is... It was... Y uh, A YA fiction that yeah. was written back in the day Her elementary in my school. day my day and when i was in the in the 80s i'm an 80s baby so this well actually i'm a 70s baby but i digress <laughs> the the time that i was growing up these were huge and i i remember like you know stealing money from out of my mom's purse to be able to go to the book fair to buy these books and I was addicted to them they're like drugs
1: I don't know why but I loved them so much mm. and you know we had also had book fairs and we had the big chain of a bookstore in the Philippines and they would have it and I'm just like oh, why? and they would come out with like books of like ep- like episode one what am I talking about book one and then two and then three mm-hmm. and the different characters so this is a bunch of um are they middle school they're middle school yeah they're 13 13 year old so they're 13 and it's you know it's founded by christy thompson their leader and then she you know forms a group with 13 year olds and she found a niche of like oh maybe we can like babysit little kids kids smaller than us but who had the resources it's wonderfully Kishi, mm. Like she owned this room with a landline. Shout out to the landline phone <laughs> with an extension on her room. Like that's really a big deal when oh, you're thirteen. Yeah. but ba- way back when. So she had a landline phone, a cord no, not it's not a cordless phone, just a landline phone yeah. in her room and that's where they do the club meetings. And she would have snacks always in her room. She, hidden in different places, hidden in books, books, <laughs> shoe shoe boxes, in her drawer, and she's also you know an artist. She is Jap- half ja- half Japanese. No, oh, she's full
0: Japanese. Oh
1: yeah, they are full Japanese. She yeah. just grew up here, mm-hmm. so she's a Japanese American um, kid that loves art, that loves fashion, that is ahead of her times. <laughs> I wanted. So bad to be like her.
0: And what was cool about her character was that she went against the stereotypes that we were seeing in, in the media during that time.
1: You know, yes. this is a
0: girl who hated math. You hated know, school doesn't do well in school. She was, she was, the, she was the people's perfect person, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and what made her character so important and one to be able to connect with was the fact that she was willing to be herself all of the time yes especially when her parents were like no yeah they didn't want her to be that way you have to
1: be like your sister janine that's really good in school good in math you Mm -hmm. know is smart reading books but she was like no i'm a free spirit i would paint i would draw and i would wear whatever I want.
0: I also like the fact that she liked all the boys. Oh, she did. Which reminded me of myself so much, liking all of the boys. (laughs) Still like all of the boys. (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely connected to her on that. On that end, what was also awesome about her character was the fact that she had a she had her own cheerleader, her grandmother. Yes, that was
1: really special because. You know, every the, not everybody gets a chance to grow up with their grandparents. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she had that special person in her life that believed in her. That, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what other people think, even though it's your parents. You can do whatever you want because you're good at it. Mm-hmm. That's what she made. Uh, that's what Mimi, that's, her, that's how she calls her grandma. Mimi made sure that she would tell Claudia that she's special. She is good at what she does and she can be whatever she wants to be. Because those are the three things growing up as an Asian kid that you don't hear all the time. Mm. It has to be like, this is what you do. This is what we want from you. So you have to be it. So somebody telling you that, oh, it's okay. Pursue what you want. And I'm just like, am I reading this right? Her grandma's okay with it. Because my grandma won't be okay with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. my, my grandma forced my mom to be a doctor. Hmm. My mom wanted to be an accountant. But, nope. She's a doctor.
0: <laughs> Which, I mean, to me, those two professions aren't too far apart for what it is that they do.
1: But still, you know, she didn't want it. She it's, wanted
0: her to go into the medical field. Yes. Cause, I guess this is... it is more prestige when you say my daughter is a doctor exactly. versus my daughter can balance your checkbook
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's something it's some it would pro i would probably not be a nurse if my mom was not a doctor mm-hmm. you know and even just thinking about it because it's like yeah you know every it's like everybody can be an accountant but not everybody can be a doctor that was her reasoning which is not true mm-hmm. but i guess because in in her times being a doctor is really big and if you have a doctor whatever in your family I guess you're like more seen in society Mm -hmm. who knows Mm -hmm. but yeah it, it definitely changed like how I see people I'm like oh not every Asian family is the same I could express myself more or you know everything that you would watch in TV that's cool and hip is not Asian did you always want to be a nurse? Mm, not really. I actually wanted just to be like my mom.
0: So you wanted to, to be a mom or you wanted to be a doctor? A doctor. Because my mm. mom was a doctor. I'm
1: like, I'm just going to be my mom. I'm going to take over her clinic. I'm going to be, you know, treating all these kids. They're going to be my patients. <laughs> yes. Up until, like, high school. Because mm-hmm. I just, I'm like, she likes what she does. And then she told me that she didn't want to be a doctor. And I'm like, What?
0: My my world is shattered. <laughs> <laughs> my mom uh, wasn't ever like, oh, I need you to be this. I think for her, she just wanted us to, uh, I'm talking past it. She wants us to just um, be who we want to be and be happy in that. And I think that also caused a little confusion for me. Mm-hmm. Because now you are free to do whatever you want and it felt, it, it always felt like pressure on picking like the right thing. The right thing. And you know, you know, when you have those choices where you have the limited choices, it kind of is like where do you go?
1: Yeah, it confuses you too a little bit, huh?
0: Yeah. So, uh, Claudia's also, her ability to be fashion-forward and artistic. Yes.
1: She she knew exactly what she wants. Mm-hmm. It's her parents that are forcing her to be something different. Like, she knew she wanted to do art. She knew, like, you cannot pull off those clothes if you don't know who you are. Right. So, right. as a young child, that's very, very, you know, forward-thinking. You can match all this stuff, like, you know, like, in the passage in... The documentary, she had, like, emerald, like, big emerald earrings,
0: and then, like, these pants, these boots, and tights that had clocks all over them. What did one say that they thought that she was... Sarah, I think, said, Sarah Kuhn said that she was, like, a tween, and then
1: the picture of Jojo Siwa came up, (laughs) and then, like, Asian auntie,
0: (laughs) (laughs) which is damn right (laughs) yeah I think that was the perfect analogy for her fashion trend um but I think what stuck out the most about this documentary was how much all of these people who were speaking identified with Claudia's character Mm -hmm. and um their want to constantly read books about her because that was their way of being able to find themselves represented in culture Mm -hmm. and having that understanding of um what it meant to not only see yourself, but um, to want to see more of you yeah. and understand that there is a lack of you being mm-hmm. represented in all different media forms. Uh, and um, Anne M. Martin's books have inspired a lot of writers like Jenny Hahn, yeah. Sarah Kuhn, who was in the documentary. You know, for all of these people to go out and write books that involved a lot of different um, Asian characters that they can all relate with, all that are all all different walks of life that Mm -hmm. aren't just like, oh, you're supposed to be this way and this way only. Um, And it also speaks to those who only thought that Asian characters were what was being presented toward them, like, you know, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon Mulan Like that was all Of what they saw So that Can you
1: do these things Or like you know The funny man In the background That has this weird accent And Can That are That is stupid Right Or you know The The bring it on girl That's just in the background All the time That's you know Cheering for the white chick
0: Or the Totally Misrepresented Stereotypical Depiction Of an Asian person in a movie that is been said to be a classic, Breakfast at Tiffany's, that's played mm-hmm. by a white man with yeah. false teeth, and you know there he's a fucking caricature A yeah. this person. Yeah, so you know to have that be this is what is representative of, of an entire uh, nationality is like or ethnicity.
1: Yeah, is or, insane. Like our
0: you know like even being Asian
1: you have Southeast Asian, South Asians mm-hmm. there's a whole it, we can go on forever like how each part of like Asia looks different
0: so um let me ask you when you see where we were in regards to television movies, whatever, books and where we're mm-hmm. going now what how does that make you feel about like the direction that we're moving in
1: We're I'm very hopeful mm-hmm. that I'm gonna see more of Asian representation because now there's more Asian writers not just um, you know Chinese American writers because I think they're the most prolific out mm-hmm. of every you know part of um, Asian writers so now we have Korean writers we have Japanese writers Filipino writers you know we had a book of SJ Sindhu. She is also, you know, she is um, Sri Lankan. So she is also part of Asia. She's mm-hmm. South Asian. And I think majority of the media, because we cannot just say, like, oh, we introduced this type of Asian characters. Everybody would just accept it. That's now what happens. I think we are more receptive now of what Asian people are like. You know, like Celeste Ng had little fires everywhere and it became became a hulu show like what if you tell me that in the 90s i would be laughing at mm-hmm. your face mm-hmm. and we're like no that's not gonna happen because it's always dawson's creek it's always friends it's always you know whatever whatever show you want that you look back as you're growing up there's never an asian chick the first Asian chick that I felt really like I saw in movies was Lucy Lou and Charlie's Angels. Hmm. So I'm just like, mm, looking back, like going back, I might be wrong because I lived in a different country, but I was in the Philippines and, you know, it's very Americanized and you see all these shows. Lucy Lou was the first one.
0: Oh, yeah. I think, I think that... A lot of people can identify with what you just said mm-hmm. as their truth, no matter where they're coming from, because she was in everything. Yes. So, you know, it was like, oh, you know, she was on um, Allie McBeal. Yes, she was, you know, Tolkien, she was the token Asian lady. You you went to her. And for me growing up in America in, in the 90s, because I'm a little bit <clears throat> older than you, <laughs> uh, the very first time that I, outside of like, Claudia Kishy in the Babysitter's Club books, the very first time where you're like, here is an Asian person that is in your face on television, was Margaret Cho in her television show All American Girl. And it was the very first time where you were like, oh this entire cast is made up of Asian people. And it was it was one of the best things to be on television. I think it came on the the ABC night, the TGIF night that they had. Um but it, it was it was amazing to be able to be able to go and watch something that was a, a small reflection of what they thought life was like yes. for for this community. And then you know there there was it's it it happens in waves in this weird way of like you might have a show, and then the show gets canceled, and then you don't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you have a movie, and there's this person, and then you see this person on all the TV shows and yep. all the movies. And then it fades away. It fades away, the and people you're like, forget about- what happened to this person? And then there's like this series, there's a block where they're just like, okay, let's have all of these martial art like movies come out, mm-hmm. and then those go away. Yeah, and you're then there's nothing else, and then you know you might bring up something another wave of martial arts mm-hmm. things to like people like Jackie Chan and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So you have all of these stuff to come out, all of these things to come out, and it, and it, it's broken up, and you don't see it. It goes back and forth, but I I feel like I'm really hoping that we don't go back into this like break period. I want my television and my books and everything to be a cornucopia of what the world is. Like yeah. I want it to to be able to turn on and not feel like, oh, you know, this person is the only person that's being represented for this culture on television mm-hmm. or in a movie that it's awesome when that person is the main character that the story is built around them. So something like Killing Eve with um sandra O oh in it is amazing because that is her show she's mm-hmm. not you know the best friend the best friend of the white girl who's the doctor like yes. when she was on Grey's anatomy mm-hmm. like this show is for her so to see those things is much needed it's necessary yeah like fresh off the boat exactly yeah um
1: mr kim's convenience oh, hilarious i love that show fresh off the board is also funny Mm -hmm. um Constance Wu and um the the it's also a Netflix uh show she she did a a movie
0: oh uh Always Be My Maybe yes that show is fucking hilarious
1: and um you know the crazy rich Asian movies um Jenny Han's books Mm -hmm. you know I think you gotta you gotta start the um the television viewers when they're small you know teenagers or even small, like middle schoolers to see that there are different types of people in the world so when they grow up they're like they're not shocked that there's other people in the world mm-hmm. not just you know this certain group of people that's always just represented in the in the TVs but it's it's just it's kind of, kind of almost like you know you felt giddy inside a little bit when you see that this character is actually has like a it's not, like, two-dimensional. Like, this has feelings. The character is smart, but also has flaws. It's like, oh, it's like me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So seeing Claudia in the books, I'm just like, I am not alone in the world. Like, there's other people that are reading this, and maybe when they see me, they, don't, they won't think that, oh, you know, she's too different. Because every, uh, I think every Asian child, female Asian child, can identify to Claudia no matter what gender preference they were. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, somebody always wanted to be the artist. Somebody's always bad in math. Somebody always wanted to portray themselves in a different way. That's just being a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So even though you're not Asian and you see somebody like that, oh, it's okay because it's in the book. Or now they can watch it in Netflix. They can see it. And she's like the coolest person there. Like literally, she's she is dope. Straight up. So you're like, oh, so it it it's okay if you're different and you can still be the coolest. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And it normalizes what is, you know, what is uh, standard. Because, you know, people just always want to be equal mm-hmm. wherever they are. So we should start then when when you were children, when you're kids.
0: Yeah, you got you got to teach the youth which mm-hmm. way to go. And I I mean, what a wonderful time <laughs> mm-hmm. to live, even though sometimes I feel like the world is trash. I may have said this in another episode, <laughs> but um for the way that we're moving and the things that we are being exposed to and has now become normal parts of our lives where you know, you're seeing RuPaul on TV Mm -hmm. and everybody is watching RuPaul's Drag Race Mm -hmm. and everybody is watching uh, Pose or everybody is going to the movie theater and watching Crazy Rich Asians. And if you had rewind yourself, if you could rewind yourself back to the 80s and earlier than that and said that these things were going to be on television, people will probably be like... Nobody's gonna want to watch that. Yeah,
1: nobody's gonna watch it. Like,
0: Nobody wants to go see this. They won't make any money doing this. Mm-hmm. That's a lie, because it is representative of different cultures throughout the the world, mm-hmm. not just in this one country. But people can be able to say, "Oh yeah, I see myself in that." You, you know, like I, you know, if you're not conscious,
1: you. You won't realize it immediately, but it would make you feel good inside. Mm-hmm. And if you you would reflect and you would realize like, oh, it's because I identify with it. That's what makes you f- want to go back and want to look more, read more, watch more. Right. Right. So it's it's a hard process for other people that are just money oriented to realize that. Mm-hmm. But the people have spoken. You know, you see these people. Let's just uh, mention their names Naya Kukukov, Gail Galligan, Sarah Kuhn, C.B. Lee, Yumi Sakugawa, and Phil Yu of the Angry Asian Man blog. So these are people that probably is in our age range mm. that were experiencing the same, same experiences mm-hmm. when we were younger. And it doesn't you know, it just doesn't speak to like female sake. Like, you got Phil. And he's a dude, but he was like, Oh, there's an Asian chick in this books, you know? So and they don't all identify as straight females. Right, right. So it's a whole plethora of genders and sexual preferences, mm-hmm. gender preferences that have these books have touched. Mm-hmm. So It's just kudos to Ann and Martin for being a um, fast-forward-thinking white lady back in the day. (laughs) Because she, you know, she has affected a lot of young people that were feeling alone. They were bullied. They were made fun of. Because, yeah, because
0: of misrepresentation. And so to have someone... In a book that everybody is reading, yes, it exposes children to other dimensions that that we're dealing with. Where you're not like, oh, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. I'm not the example of what life is supposed to look like. Yeah, that it can look like all different kinds of, of ways. Um, so you know, we, we we thank her for that for that exposure, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we. Thank all of the other people who've come behind her to push it even further yeah. into a higher, higher ground. Because even in her book, she still had a little bit of like, you know, the whole almond-shaped eyes that one person was talking mm-hmm. about. The little, the little characteristics about her having the jet black hair and the perfect skin. <laughs> only though she was like eating junk food constantly, and as a teenager, you know, your skin would is not beautiful no, at thirteen. Never, never zit city. So. Yes.
1: And eating um, all the junk food won't do you any good, yes. but still we do it. <laughs> so yeah, but it's, it's a step. It's not perfect. Um, but if you want to see more of representation from Asian characters, Asian people, just Asian anything, you can go to these, um, writers, graphic artists, producers, um, And go check out their stuff because, you know, we always have to educate ourselves and you might find out that you might like it more than what it's presented in like the mainstream media. Mm
0: -hmm. And I definitely encourage anyone who has uh, young children, boy, girl, um, whatever, to go and watch this series because it has done even more than I had expected the last episode. Where it exposed a girl, um, it uh, one of the girls, Marianne. Mm-hmm. Marianne. Uh, she was babysitting. Um, what she thought was a little girl, mm-hmm. and it turns out it was a trans child yes. who has decided that they no longer wanted to be put on, you know, wear boys' clothes. That they wanted to identify as a girl, yeah, girl, and to have that subject matter in that television show
1: is amazing yeah
0: that's heavy yes but they
1: made it you know they made it like how they would write for those you know for those actors it's amazing because it's like explaining to a 13 year old and then also you know dealing with stuff that is um hospitalization or losing somebody in your family Mm -hmm. or having um diseases like type 1 diabetes understanding that you know children feel isolated when they have some sort of diseases and how can you explain that to children mm-hmm. so it's not just about race culture ethnicity it's about everyday life yeah you
0: have even like spiritual healers yeah. being represented there like there's so many different uh things that they tackle divorced in the show divorced parents diabetes you know, children dealing with illnesses yeah um Sep- so separation
1: family problems
0: watch it if not if you don't even have any kids watch it Uh, if this was a a favorite book series of yours then go back and definitely watch it so you can be nostalgic of how they've taken these books that we've read and you know created these new shows with them before we end our show we just want to give a special shout out to the person who created this documentary um, Sue Ding Uh, you know she basically brought forth a subject that we always talk even if it was just amongst ourselves about mm-hmm. who Claudia Kishi was and what she represented to for all of us, yeah. Um, as well as different um, people that they interview, such as Phil Yu, who is the creator of Angry Asian Man blog. You definitely have to go and check his website out. I've been following him for years, and he is amazing at everything. He's also an activist at what it is that he does for for the world. So check him out. As well as Yumi Sakugawa, she's a comic artist and a writer. C.B. Lee,
1: she's the writer of the sidetrack Track Squad, um, a YA fiction. If you know you want to let your kids or even you read it. Sarah Kuhn, she has, you know, wrote a bunch of books, um, and she now works with Marvel with the first Asian superhero. Um, her book, um, I Love You So Mochi. It's so cute, like the cover, and it's been my TBR for the longest time, so... We'll get to it, we promise. Sarah, just wait, girl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then there's um G- Gail Galligan. She's a um, graphic artist uh, for Babysitter's Club. Um, they were able to take this story and turn it into, a, like... They take all the stories that have already been written Mm -hmm. and then turn them into graphic novels
1: which is so dope
0: yeah so what they are doing is amazing so we thank them for it for Mm -hmm. creating it and then um, uh, Naya I think it's Google call she was the executive producer for uh, this uh, documentary that we watched yeah I
1: wish it was longer Yes. And I'm like, oh my God, why is it over? <laughs> I want more. So, more more
0: people. So
1: if y'all want to do this over again, you know, I would be the first one to watch. Part two. Part two. We could make it into a series. <laughs> you know, make it happen. You guys were amazing. And um, continue to be amazing because we're watching.
0: Yes. So, all right. So. On that note, we thank you for listening to our podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye. Eat the snacks. Have fun.
1: We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram
0: at Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchors, Apple
1: Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.